Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. Welcome. Today we have a great podcast planned. We have myself, Erica Jobes, and then of course, Dr. Joseph Howell. How are you, Joe? Good, thanks. Glad to be here. Good. And then we also have uh, a special guest, one of my favorite people in the world, Tom Miller-Price. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing well, Erica, and thank you and Joe for having me on for this opportunity. Yeah, this is really special. Our listeners are in for a treat. Tom is an Episcopal priest. He is from Louisville, Kentucky, and he also is a spiritual director. So he is full of wisdom, and one of my favorite personal things that I'd like to say about Tom is, you know, when we first met Tom, and we've known each other now a few years, I was, Tom didn't know this at the time, but I was struggling a little bit with organized religion in general, and I think I felt a little bit like I had been let down, you know, wasn't in church and, you know, wasn't participating, and then I met Tom and his wife, Lori, and Tom, obviously, as an Episcopal priest, has quite a background with, of course, organized religion, but more than that, just spiritual wisdom. And he has really made a difference for me in that side of my spiritual journey. And I just have a really soft spot for Tom. He's just a really great guy. And he represents the church, I think, in a way that Anybody who maybe has been hurt in the past would find refreshing, and he's a very loving and accepting and a very thoughtful presence, so I'm just really glad to have him here with us today. Well, Tom, you got a good recommendation. <laughs> well, I did, and you know, I just want to say that churches are like uh, ecotypes. Uh, we get into trouble and disintegrate into our egos, but we can be at our best when we come from our souls, and churches mm-hmm. are no different. Um, yeah, that, point. That is mm-hmm. a, that's a great way to look at it, because churches really are made up of people, so I guess that's reasonable to, to think of that. Well, Tom, how have you been? Well, I have, have been uh, good. It certainly has been a very different year. I've missed seeing people, especially my Enneagram peeps, missed being at the retreat center, and and I also miss being with, in church with my people. Uh, some churches are having in um, church congregation involvement, but our bishop has suggested no, and most of my people are older, and they do not really want to take the risk, and so I'm doing YouTube sermons each week, and we've done a couple of Zoom meetings where we check in with each other, And but I miss... Um, I miss being able to see some people. Yeah, I um, I think it's interesting too because you've you've started spiritual direction, and I think that might have been birthed from this pandemic. And I've done spiritual direction off and on for a long time, mm-hmm. but I lost my job as a hospice chaplain back right at the beginning of COVID. 
so that's what precipitated this move to doing spiritual direction more on a full-time basis. Well, I would just like to say that I think that is a great move. You're an, an amazing spiritual director, so I'm excited for you there. Tell us, Tom, what ego type do you identify with? I identify with the five. With the five. That's great. Well, Dr. Howell and I were talking you know, about our podcast this year, and we were talking about the different people that we'd really like to talk to and you know people that we find interesting and that we have really learned from and you were at the top of the list so i appreciate you joining us today and i think some of the questions i'd like to ask you i think will be questions that maybe some of the people that are listening that might identify as an ego type five or maybe they are in relationship with an ego type five they might find helpful So one of my first questions for you, you and I have spent a lot of late nights talking, but I don't think we've discussed this one. When looking back on your life, obviously, you know, knowing what you know now about the Enneagram, when did you know as a boy or as a young adult that you saw things differently than other people, that you were an ego type five, that, you know, you obviously were a deep thinker and introspective and that type of thing. Looking back, when was the time that you first recognized that about yourself? My earliest memory, (laughs) a little humorous, Um, my dad would go to the bathroom and he would take an encyclopedia with him. (laughs) And I observed that. And so probably five or six I was taking my golden book encyclopedia <laughs> when I went to the bathroom <laughs> oh that's um, great <laughs> and so that's began my my love of knowledge mm-hmm. and then um it probably began in grade school, but I specifically remember it in middle school. And then as I got older, when I was in Sunday school class, I was always thinking that the lessons were a couple of years behind. I wanted something a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in college, I started college as a biology major and uh, it was then I began to read some commentaries and found that I was truly drawn into the realm of theology and biblical studies and could get very easily in absorbed in that when uh, most of the people in my age were not interested in that. Mm-hmm. So that be a, a strong indicator for me of my fiveness at that time did you ever find that you know there were times when people would take things at face value and you just needed a much deeper explanation oh yes yes yeah that's still true at times (laughs) i I want something a little more Mm -hmm. yes i've noticed that (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad i admire that But it's very true to the ego type, isn't it? It is. Now, this is back in 85 when the very first book in English came out on the Enneagram. I picked it up and read it. And I mean, I pretty much knew I was a five and reading it. I did 
kind of look at some other things, but it was clear that I was a five. Mm-hmm. And I shared it with some friends, and there were about five of us that read it. And we were talking about the fact that we were all fives. And one of the guys said, we don't bore each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I've always remembered that. Um, mm-hmm. But I would also say, I hope I've grown, uh, well, I know that I've grown. People do not bore me regardless of their number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people say when they first learn their Enneagram type that there's something about that type that they really just don't like. But, you know, I just don't want to be that way. Did you experience that when you first in 1985 realized that you were likely an ego type five? Was there something about that that turned you off or or no? I'm curious if ego type fives often feel that way too. I would say instead of... Um turning me off I mean there may have been a little bit of that but it was I would say it more in this way that some of it just didn't fit and later on I learned that a part of that was I had a strong four wing because when I read about a five with a strong four wing that fit for me a lot more and then I think the other thing I would say is that what I didn't realize until I first came into contact with Joe to a conference at Canuga, and, and you were there at that first conference that I went to, is that I have an eight soul child. Mm-hmm. And my amalgamation with that eight soul child happened when I was in seminary. And that began to make more sense than anything else had ever made of the Enneagram mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to say that I kind of remember some of those aha moments that you had at Canuga when we began yes. talking about your eight soul child. You came to the eight table, I think, because you wanted to hear about it. And I remember that. I really do. Well, let me ask you this, Tom, and I thought this might be something helpful, too, for some of our listeners. You know, as you experienced this past year, 2020, and, you know, the many crises that we faced during the year with the rioting and and also, you know, the racial injustice and then, of course, the pandemic, the first part of my question is going to be, how did you experience that in your ego and in your passions? And then, of course, we'll turn that around and ask how you felt your soul showed up but let's begin with the ego i mean did you notice how your ego five handled that this past year i probably can say more about that from the standpoint of my eight but i know that i've had a lot of time on my hands and that's always okay for a five (laughs) and there have probably been times when i have gone into that avarice or the greed of time and because I like it a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) having my own private time and so I've kind of reveled in it and that's been okay at times and then other times I think that it's kept me from doing some things that I maybe would have been better for me to be working on Mm -hmm. and in terms of the pandemic and I guess that this is where my aid comes in is sure it's a loss of personal freedom, but on the other hand, personal freedoms do not replace concern for public safety. Mm-hmm. 
And so I've been very much in support of doing whatever we need to do to protect the public. Mm -hmm. And if that means we need to wear masks and stay six feet apart and not go to church and not sing in church, and if we do go, then you know that's what we do because people matter. And you know, and with the riots, you know, I'm I don't consider myself a a supporter of physical violence and destruction and riots but i do believe there needs to be a strong voice heard for people who've been oppressed for 400 years Mm -hmm. of course my church is african-american and one of the places i know that my aid has come out is in my sermons and maybe it's the lens through which i'm viewing the text that come up in the lectionary but every sunday it's very easy to preach from the gospels in the newspaper at the same time and and that's been particularly true with racial justice and with the insurrection as as well because i don't think everybody who is a part of the insurrection is necessarily a white supremacist but that was certainly a strong element and that's not something I support mm-hmm. and I make it very clear what I think how scripture causes us to understand these things in my sermons mm-hmm. well, one of the things that I've always been struck by in knowing you Tom and our many theological discussions and Enneagram discussions is that you know I think a lot of your fiveness, the ego type five, you're able to take in a lot of information and then you're able to organize it and put it in a way that the rest of us can understand. I mean, a lot of really difficult, you know, spiritual concepts, a lot of things that seem kind of out of reach for the rest of us, you're able to understand it and then put it into words that, you know, make us understand and help us understand and that sort of thing. And I I imagine, you know, this past year, I would have really have liked to have been one of your neighbors and just let you watch all the news and take all the information in and then just come over in the evening and have you explain it to me <laughs> <laughs> well you know today i got a text from one of my parishioners who had listened to my uh, sermon on youtube and and she has said this to me several times as have others over the past several months she said you are able to help me understand how the gospel applies to life today mm-hmm. in america And that always feels good to hear that because if it doesn't apply to America today and our lives today, then what good is it? So, and that kind of is a good segue into, you know, this past year and how you've really experienced your soul. Can you speak to that? Uh, Yes. Well, as a soul eight my concern for social justice has been strong throughout my sermons it's it's always been there but probably even more so in this past year i'm curious i have a question about that you know with the social justice i mean i feel that in my body i can feel well you're an eight yeah you're in your body yeah i can feel it 
all over and I wonder how you experience that do you experience that when you hear of the injustice as a five does it filter in through your mind or do you feel it in your body or both both sometimes I just feel it in my body first and then anger mm-hmm. now I'm also able to go into my mind and kind of filter through and see where you know different people are coming from different places and i know with my oldest stepson when he first got out of school and was working he thought everybody was out to get white males and i talked with him some he didn't understand why women should get jobs over men sometimes or african-americans and i talked with him some about that and his mother did and he did his own critical thinking but he has completely reversed his position on that and he understands how people have been disadvantaged and he used to say well it doesn't matter who you are you should be able to go to school and do whatever you want to do in this country and i know other people that think that way and it is simply not true Mm -hmm. and i have tried to help people understand the disadvantage my brother had learning disabilities when i was growing up and so my mom spent more time with him than she did me never for one minute do i think that she loved him more than me but she favored him in the sense you know you favor a bad leg but african americans there's nothing wrong with them what is wrong is the position that they've been put into by white institutions and white supremacy mm-hmm. and white privilege so when in scripture when it says god favors the poor doesn't mean that god doesn't love everybody else but god's heart goes out because they need extra help because of what's been done i'm listening and i'm struck by this thought that you know when i experience injustice in my ego eight and then i want to do something about it I come off in a way that turns people off sometimes because I'm a little on the demanding side or the language or the posture or, you know, those kinds of things are aggressive. And I'm listening to you and the story about your stepson and how he was fortunate enough to have somebody like you in a soul eight situation explain that that social or racial injustice in a way that in in a soul eight doesn't come off like i do in my ego eight you know you're able to remain i I think and that's where the vibe comes in is to help it helps me process that mentally yeah and there's no anger it's just simply stating facts in a way that can finally be understood you know and that is what i feel the anger sometimes Mm mm-hmm but no, I, it, I don't feel like it ever interferes with me communicating with someone else about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's the difference. You know, that's the difference in, you know, you being your soul child is at point eight, and that's the difference of you being there and me being in my ego eight. It's just a completely different thing. There's so much power at the soul eight, especially having the wisdom of your five with that eight to get across those kinds of very important issues. You know, there's so much, so much power there. And that's interesting to use that word because I think at least some on the far right, in, in terms of white privilege, they feel that as a loss of power. But if power is power and advantage over others, that's not really power. That's coming from a place of weakness. And true power is a shared experience to where I'm supporting you and you're supporting me. It's not me over you. Mm -hmm. And so I have a different understanding of power than I think at least some in our country have about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of power, Tom, how, how is it personally for you other than your sermons that you have felt the power of your soul type for example you go to your aid for integration and there's also your soul point where your soul child is your essence yes and you say that when you make the journey to the eight from your ego type five that you pick up the power of that eight and you've explained some of the dimensions of what you consider power very very well and you've given us one example today of how you express that power and the example you gave was that you do it in your sermons I was wondering if there are other ways that you express power, as you have defined it, in your life that you could not have expressed had you not gone to your essence, to your eight, to your soul point. Yes, and so... As I said, I I have not been, I lost my chaplaincy job back just at the beginning of COVID. And so when I was visiting with patients and their families, I would notice when people were not being treated right and could usually talk to family members in a way to help them understand that they needed to do something different for their family member mm-hmm. and so uh it's always quick to come to the aid of the patient in that sense i had another thought there when you were talking that helped me to understand what you were looking mm-hmm. for a little more so both of your examples are how you exhibit and express power in ministry yes yeah Uh, And for a person in the ministry out there, they need to look at what the eight on the Enneagram can do for them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, his examples involve action. You know, there's like this, Mm -hmm. there's a knowledge of something, and then he's taking action to serve. And that sounds very much to me like that soul, you know, that eight 
at the soul point and you know when i was i couldn't have told you what all this meant at the time but i mean now i understand it it was part of what was going on with me in my amalgamation in seminary at that time i had no thoughts that i would ever become an Episcopalian or a priest. I was a Baptist minister. But I had dreams and I guess what I would call active imagination from the Jungian sense of being a priest. And I had these fantasies that came up of a sword of power. It was not something that I ever thought about in terms of using the sword to hurt someone or cut someone, but it was a symbol, an internal symbol that welled up from within me that had much energy and power. I also had some dreams at that time where in the dream I was trying to speak and all of a sudden this deep overpowering voice came up in the depths and I, I think the five in me was afraid of that but I understand now that was my soul child awakening oh wow yeah that's that's powerful that's powerful <laughs> yeah. yeah well you are a powerful presence Tom and I think a just a really great representation of what it's like to be an egotype five who is able to live from soul and able to take the information that they have and able to talk about it and able to share and to take action to serve other people. So it's really been an honor to know you and to get to be in the ICB training programs with you. So Likewise. Yeah, I, I want to thank you for joining us today. I wish we had about three more hours because I'd have some really <laughs> deep topics I'd like you to explain to me but we'll <laughs> we'll do that at the next one training. Of, Erica, one of them would be I'd love at a later podcast to hear Tom speak about his embodiment yes. of the five's holy ideas. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. I will say there is one thing I wanted to say uh, mm-hmm. about what I would want people to know about fives okay. that Many of us, not all of us, tend to be introverts, but that doesn't mean that we do not want to be around people. Hmm. I very much want to be around people when I know them. And, and I can be with people even when I don't know them. But it's not the same thing as when I have a heart or a gut connection with someone. I want to be with that person. I used to work with a psychiatrist who I believe was an eight. And when I told her I was an introvert one day, she slapped me on the arm and she said, shut up, you are not. She said, you never stop talking. And I said, that's because I'm with you. Not all fives are sitting in the corner quietly avoiding conversation. It's good to know because, you know, the stereotype is that you are an introvert and that and what you're saying is that stereotype isn't always true, that you do want to be around people and you want to be invited to the table. Yes. Joe, what were you going to say? You at the table today. You you and I didn't talk about this, but I know that you have your spiritual direction practice and I was wondering if for any listeners who across the country who may have heard you today and relate and would like some spiritual direction from you how do they go about 
communicating with you. I know you can have your sessions virtually, so basically anybody across the country and world could contact you. So how do they do it, Tom? Well, again, I will be getting a website up at some point, but at this point, if you're on Facebook, you can go to Spiritual Direction with Father Tom. And on there, you'll find my email address, and that is the best way to contact me, at least at first, is through email, and then uh, I'm doing Zoom sessions. Good. And if our listeners have any questions, too, they can contact us at therealenneagram at gmail.com. And we can help you get in touch with Tom Miller at yes. Price as well. So. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you Thanks, so much, Tom, for joining thank us you. today. I look forward to talking with you again and one of these days seeing you again in person. Yes, very much so. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. To our listeners, if you have any questions or comments, please contact us at therealenneagram at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Thank you.